Anyway, last week we looked at the ingredients of a radical disciple, someone that's pushing hard after God. First of all, the thing is a radical salvation. You know what? When I got saved, I don't, I don't want to say you didn't get a radical salvation and I did, but when I got saved, no one had to phone me and say, where are you? Why have you missed? Uh, although I, was, I couldn't get enough of what God was doing. And I want to tell you, the church that I was in, was not, there was not much going on anyway. So I was really having to, to push after God. It, it, it really was a, quite a, I don't want to say dead, because it wasn't dead, but it was barely alive, I think. Uh, and, uh, but you know what? They didn't have to phone me. They didn't have to check if I was there. And by the age of 22, in that church, I was actually made an elder. How do we have a radical salvation? Repentance. We read in the book of Acts, God cuts you to the heart. Not, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. No, God cuts you to the heart and says, what about those things? What about that? What about that? All the things that you are walking away from God for, for that reason. Baptized in water. You know what? I didn't have to be convinced to be, be baptized in water. Oh, I think you must be baptized. I'll show you in the word this, that. No, I said to them, when can I be baptized? The word says I must be baptized and I must get baptized. When Patty got baptized and I wasn't born again, I thought she was nuts. Because she got baptized in the sea. I was in my church clothes and I'm on the beach. I'm like moving Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Before Patsy got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was a week after I got saved. I, I went to, they said, who wants to speak in tongues? I went to the front. Not that baptism in the Holy Spirit only means you speak in tongues. It means you're given all of those gifts are available to you. That's what we're looking for. So this morning... Instead of just looking at the individual, I want to look at the ingredients of, of a radical church, a church that's moving in the power of God, a church that is uh, stirring up, that's bringing repentance. You know what? All of us should lead a repentant life on a daily basis. Lord, what have I done wrong? How, how have I spoken to my wife? That's a big problem for men. Uh, wives, what, how have I spoken to my husband? That's a big problem for them too. Uh, just what is there that I need to sort out? How did I feel when Liverpool beat Man United? I tell you what, I needed to repent. So, so... The ingredients of a church, uh, the, the word church is ecclesia. It means the called out ones. Those are the, that have been called out of the world to make a difference. You and me. I'm so encouraged. There are, there are so many new people in the life of this congregation. And it seemed to have happened while I wasn't here. So it's wonderful. The elders did a fantastic job. called out ones. Acts 2 and verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
and awe came upon every soul. I think that's, that's something of what Johanna was speaking about this morning. There's something of a, whoa, God, you are here. The weightiness. The word glory of God speaks of the weightiness of God. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And it carries on to say people were added daily. So people say, so how should we do evangelism? There's how we should do it. Apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And then God adds. Then God adds. We don't have to look for, for different things to do. Apostles teaching. It's God's word. Guys, you need to be spending regular time in God's word. I'm not, I, I used to say every day, and I do every day. But I know you guys are out there working, going through all your, the things that you need to go through. But you need to be spending time in God's word. Don't tell me, oh, God said this to me and God said that to me. If, he, if you have not spent time in his word. Because when you spend time in his word, he will speak to you through his word. Not what you want to hear, because we never want to hear, oh, repent. Make things right with your spouse. We don't hear those things. But when we read the word, 1 Peter 5 says, your wife as the weaker vessel. You need to minister to her. You need to take care of you. Otherwise, your prayers won't be answered. But we, we need to know God's word. Because we actually waste our time if we uh, working contrary to what God's word says. And yes, the... the we, we know portions of Scripture because over the years, how's this? I even know what your favorite Scriptures are. That's scary, eh? Michelle? I saw her. What Scripture did I hear this morning, Michelle? Jeremiah 29, 11. That's the, Lord, that's the Scripture that the Lord gave Michelle. And so when it when it got spoken about this morning, the first thing I thought is Michelle's listening to that word now. She's hearing that word. She needs to hear that word now. God does that through his word. He encourages us. He builds us up. Let me tell you, it's encouraging to get rebuked by God's word. You, we need to be rebuked. We need to, for the Lord to speak into life because the word says... We can be rebuked by any scripture, any word. I think it's 1 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is used for. That means all of it. Maybe you're struggling financially. Get into the word of God. I don't want to stand at the front here and preach about finances because people think, oh, that's what the church does. No, you get into the word and see what the word says about it. It is the thing that Jesus spoke most about in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 5 and, 20 and verse 23. 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Do you know what sanctification is, guys? Sanctification is when God takes you from where you get saved up to the place that he finds himself. So it's a long journey. While you're living on the face of the earth, he's sanctifying you all the way. And sanctification is not easy and it's not soft and it's, it's a difficult thing. God, but God wants you sanctified. He says you justified, which means you immediately seated at his right hand. But he wants you sanctified, which means you're going to be worked up to that place on an on a ongoing basis. There cannot be true church life without the truth of God's word. Martin Luther says, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It takes hold of me. Do you feel like that? There are some days when I feel like that. I think, hey, Lord, you're taking hold of me. I don't know what's going on, but you're trying to speak to me. I need to, to get into your word. I need to allow your Holy Spirit to direct what I'm, I'm reading because I, I don't want to get into the letter. I want to get into the word, which is led there by the Spirit. It sp says the Spirit gives life, but He gives life in the word. People start to think, oh, he, he, we don't need the Word because we're led by the Spirit. No, that's not true. The Spirit never leads, leads outside of the Word of God. Never. God's Word is also our safeguard against error or heresy. When we hear things said that are not in the Word, we need to know, hey, that is not in the Word. You need to be able to come up here and say to me, Roland, what you said this morning is not in the Word. And if it is in the Word, I need you to show me. I want to tell you guys that I, I don't expect you to, I, I'm not high and lifted up. If you feel, hey, Roland, what you said is not in the Word. Well, you need to know that I have researched most of what I'm talking, but maybe something comes out that's not in the Word. You need to come and say, I don't agree with what you said. It doesn't mean you walk out and you never come back. No, you come up and you ask the question, not to help you, but to help me. Fellowship. We've spoken about fellowship. We, we don't meet because we're a social club. 98% of Christians believe that we meet for their needs. 98%, they did a survey in America. They believe that the church gets together to meet their needs. We actually live for the benefit of the non-members, those guys outside there. We live, we grow, we work together, we pray so that we may see them come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So often we get wrapped up in our own thing. We go through difficult times and we, we can't see anything outside of what we are involved in. For me, I had a friend that said, when you find yourself in that place, come against the enemy in another space. So you're having problems in your marriage. Begin to say, Lord, I trust that you're working in the church. I, I, I trust that you 
that you are bringing life wherever you go. So we, we get out of our situation, we begin to, to work into another area. We find that so hard. We, uh, I, I'm able to do it because this year, uh, whoever's doing the announcements will be able to say that I've been married for 40 years. See, I told them early so we can get more than once, but woohoo. She's only 21 on Thursday, and I'm 22 the following Thursday. But um, I'm, I'm not proud of my birthday, but I am proud of my marriage. I really am. We need to be those that are, we, we get around meals together, we pray together, we resolve conflict. You know what, when we get together, we never ever say, hey, listen, what about this? Not aggressively, what about that? Do you think that is right? Do you think that is wrong? That's why we get together. We don't all get together. Oh, it's so nice to be with you tonight. And this is so, it's really good. It's, uh, we're having a wonderful time. And inside of you, there's like, what you said was so wrong. Because we don't always know what is going on. Patty and I have come back from, well, we've been on leave for two and a half months. And then we are away for another three weeks. And there are a few things that are happening that we didn't know were happening and we're trying to catch on to those things to sort them out as quick as we can. But we need to do that. We need to do that. The word saint is so used in the New Testament. Saints in the plural and not the singular. Guys, when we get together, let's make it a time of, of rejoicing together, of praying together, resolving conflict together, doing, doing what God has called us to do together. Maybe you knew here this morning, you think, hey, now, how can I talk to these people? I hardly know them. I'm encouraging you, speak to us. Fellowship should be a safeguard against backsliding. It should be. But we're actually afraid to phone people and say, where were you? Because we're scared that you'll get offended. And we're not phoning because we're checking up on you. We're phoning because we try, we're making sure that there's nothing wrong with you. Think, oh, I know that. No, it is. When somebody misses you for two weeks, Patsy or I are definitely going to be phoning you. We're going to phone you. Because I want to know why you want to miss fellowship on a Sunday. And if you miss come, I think even the first time, you're going to get a phone call. Huh? What's going on? Are you, are you okay? Because you know what? People go through problems and we don't know and we can't help them. We want to help them. You haven't got food in the cupboard. We want to help you with some food. We want to come and pray for you. We want, to, we want to do what we can to help you. That's what the body is about. We're not all mouths. Some of us are hands. Some of us are herbs. You know what? Too, too much... Then we look at prayer. We, the, 
Prayer is a, a place of devotion, a place of standing firm, a place of steadfast earnestness. Guys, I want to tell you, if you can make it, Half past eight on a Sunday, we get out there to pray, not for the world's problems, for our meeting, that we'll see the Holy Spirit move, that we'll see people respond to the gospel, we'll see the, the Lord move in a whole fresh way, that we'll worship Him together in a wonderful way. Please, make it if you can. If you can't, you're missing out. You know what, you know what the thing about prayer is? Why well, I'm moving on fast. I've heard so many preachers on prayer. How to pray, when to pray, how, all, all the, you know what, just pray. Open your mouth and talk to God. Have you wrestled? I always say to guys when we're traveling, I'll say to guys, hey guys, if you want to follow someone, make sure that they walk with a limp. Why is that? Jacob had a limp after wrestling with God. You want to follow people that have wrestled with God. And, and, and the thing that I want us to do as well that Johan spoke about this morning is as we're sitting here now, as we, we've done worship and we've sensed the presence of God, we need to be sitting here now with an expectancy that God could come any minute. God could come and touch me right now, right where I am. Right when I'm laughing, God can touch me. When I'm crying, He can touch me. God is here. When you and me get together, God is here. That's what the Word says. If there's two or three gathered, there He is. And He's here this morning. just heard such a wonderful encouragement from Johan this morning. He just said to me, he went to Vince's com on Wednesday to help serve and lead worship. And just the presence of God is there. People you don't expect, there they are. There they're worshiping in a whole new way. Vince and Bianca are doing a wonderful job guiding, leading. Are you limping, Vince? Prayer indicates public prayer, but it also indicates private prayer. You see David, if you go and look at his life, he killed the lion, he killed the bear in private. And then he came out and he went and he killed Goliath. Jesus needs to be our inspiration when we preach. We need to cherish communication with God. It safeguards. You know what? Prayer safeguards against independence. The word safeguards against heresy. Prayer safeguards against in independence. Then we move on. We see that word awe, fear. Proverbs 1 and verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools disobey wisdom and instruction. Fear gets us saved, but then the love of God draws us to his side. What is the thing that stops you from sinning? For me, it's fear. I am so glad that if I do something that is sin, 
God could kill me if he wants to. He could kill me. He probably won't. But there will definitely be consequences to sin. I had a friend who was a psychologist, and he said the biggest problem in the world today is when we, we separate sin from consequence. There needs to be consequence when there's sin. I used to tell my kids that all the time on a regular basis. I had three boys. You remember that? Three boys. But then the Father draws us with love. Acts 9 and verse 31, it says, So the, Lord, the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And in walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Signs and wonders. I'm going to jump past that. I want to get to breaking of bread. What is breaking of bread? The first thing is, it's obedience. Jesus told us to do it. The same as he told us to be baptized. We need to be obedient and respond to those words. We need to break bread. Don't, I've seen people say, oh, no, I can't do that this morning because I've got a problem with someone else. I want to tell you, I'm going to take that away from you. I want to say to you, break bread this morning, but if that person is not in this meeting, go and sort it out when you leave this place. If that person is in this meeting, go and sort it out before you break bread. Obedience is God's love language. John 15, 10, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Obedience. We need to remember the work that Jesus did on the cross. We need to walk in fellowship. But this forces us to walk in fellowship with short accounts. I went through a period in a church that I was leading up in Benoni where we had everyone was scratchy and the, it wasn't going well. And so I just began to break bread every single week. I just broke bread. Because you know what? If, if, if you break bread and you don't sort it out, you're going to find yourself walking in condemnation. And so I just broke bread. I just broke bread. And eventually we actually worked out those relationship things. Yes, we had to sit down and work them out, but people were prepared to speak about them. Breaking bread is our safeguard against superficiality. You know this stuff here, that podium. If I take a screwdriver and I begin to push down, it's going to get into chipboard. And that's what our relationships can be like when we push through the veneer. There's chipboard underneath there. And we need to sort that stuff out. But really, allow that veneer to be broken. Say, come, I invite you in. Some people won't talk. They walk around with a smile on their face. Everything's fine. Everything's going well. But you know what? Inside there's, there's hurt. There's pain. Many people are broken inside. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. 24, it says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks... He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of 
of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this morning, as we're going to break bread together, I trust that you're in a place, yeah, of being one. If you're not, please, go and, go and sort it out. It doesn't have to be some hectic argument. Just sort it out. And if it's somebody outside of you, I've often found that people have family members that are not in this church. And they've had a long-standing problem with that person. And now they don't want to break bread because they haven't, they haven't sorted things out. I, I want to encourage you, break bread and then go and do it. Because what we find ourselves doing is postponing, putting off. But if we make that decision, we can actually find ourselves in the place where things are sorted out. All right, so I'm going to ask you to go get yourself a glass of juice and a, so the cracker. And then I want to ask you to, to get together, actually, two or three or four, or if your family want to sit, um, and, then, and then just pray. First of all, thank God. And so ultimately... The, the reason why we break bread is to remind ourselves of what Jesus had did for us on the cross. And it's a, it's a celebration. It's not a, a thing that you have to be wary about. It's a celebration. And so get together with a couple of guys.